weekend on November 7th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. I'm looking forward for all of you guys to come and party with us. Hey guys, this Saturday, November 7th, we're having our member appreciation day. We're having awesome deals on memberships. Bring your family, come on in and check us out. Also, we're going to be running an awesome deal on some supplements and select apparel. You better be there. For the first time ever here at Redcon One Gym, we're having our member appreciation day. Can't wait to see you there. Also, don't forget, stop by at the boot camp. We're going to have one from 10 to 11 and one from 2 to 3. Come get some sweat on and work out with us, guys. It's the month of giving, so we're giving away free swag and shipping all weekend long. Everyone who shops the Redcon One site this weekend will enjoy 30% off their entire order at checkout. Just use code VICE30. For every order over $50, Redcon One will gift you this free Vice City OG hoodie to keep you warm during this November cold front. Spend $75 and get this exclusive Black Ops shaker for free. This custom-designed shaker allows you to store your supplements at the same time with this secret compartment. Spend $85 and choose any two-pound bottle of protein on our site absolutely free. You can choose between our Whey Isolate Isotope, our Meal Replacement MRE Light, or go green with Green Beret. If you load up your cart and spend $200 or more, we'll cover the full cost of shipping. There's so much to be thankful for this November, so Redcon One is saying thank you with free gear and supplements. Visit RedconOne.com to shop now before flavors and product run out. How's it going, everybody? Johnny Styles here. This is not Eric Hart or Aaron Singerman, but I'm here live with the one and only Ryan. Ryan Mohanan, right? Mo Mo Monahan. He can Monahan. never get it right. Guys, we have a special show for you tonight. We're bringing Aaron in live from Tennessee. He's got some big updates for you. He's dialing in. We see him now. Uh, so we're going to bring him in. And uh, I'm going to do my best Silky Tuba as possible. I've been growing the beard for this moment for the last 12 years. 
Yes, and we are bringing Aaron live now. And this is something that, you know, happens because we are remotely, but we're here for you. And back on one, we have people live. And there he is, the man himself, Mr. Aaron Singerman. <laughs> What's up, guys? How do I look? How do I sound? Man. You're great. You're great. Okay, good. Good. I'm like lit weird, and I'm in, I'm in like a theater somehow, but my camera's all weird. But we're going to make this work. Yeah, we're here. I'm here in Tennessee. Uh, right in Brentwood, Tennessee. It's a beautiful place. Wonderful weather. It's a lot different than uh, Boca Raton, Florida. I'll tell you that much. How, am I, Johnny? Am I breaking yeah. up or do I sound good? Am I, am I as good as in the studio or even better? I would. Uh, I'd put you at a solid seven point two. Okay, I accept seven point two. With the audio, the video, we're coming in at like a five and an eight, five point eight. Well. I think that this could be the best we could do. This is, I checked before on my speed test. It says I get 100 megabytes down okay. and 100 megabytes up. So, well, the good news for you is we have some good news stories, two around Yeezy. I know. I've got them right um, here. Yeah, ready. Okay, good. And, uh, and we also have a, a special guest who we've, uh, we've talked to and he's ready to rock and roll. He's actually uh, a much more dimensional person than even the research I had did. Oh, well, I, I know all about uh, Ben Coe's, so I, I've, uh, I'm prepared, ready, and I have my notes, uh, Ryan, and uh, I've also read all of, all of his books. I want to say there's nine books I've read, but I'll have to ask him, is it nine or how many? I mean, the new one, the, the most recent one I read was The Russian, and I think that's his newest one, I believe, uh, but we'll go, to, we'll go to Ben in, in just a few minutes. First, before we go there, and I do want to talk about this with Ben, uh, the presidential election is something that's like, I mean... It's basically on constantly 24 hours a day now and probably will be for the next, you know, maybe till the end of the year, but certainly the next few weeks. But uh, in the meantime, we have to at least mention before I get to Ben that it is, uh, I mean, it's the biggest news story of the year with a, a exception, the exception of coronavirus is that, uh, you know, right now people don't know what's going on. Nobody knows what's uh, what the actual reality is, if there's been voter fraud, if votes have been added, if votes have been lost, who's winning what states, and who's going to be the president of the United States uh, this next four years. So there's a lot of uncertainty in the world right now, more uncertainty now than before. So, uh, and there was a lot of uncertainty before. So the presidential election, it continues to shift. We see new stuff you know, by the hour. And as of right now, we still don't know what the hell's going on and what's going to happen in the future. So, exactly. Ryan, it is, a, it is a very interesting time. And we, we have a lot to talk about with Ben, because Ben uh, worked at the White House. Uh, and uh, not only that, but he's also uh, uh, very, very well-versed in the world of politics in general. Politics. And uh, in our pregame show, I learned a little bit about his uh, private equity background. Yes, that's right. Which was, that's right. Ben, is a, ben has a very busy life, man. And that's one of the things we'll talk about is how do you fit it all in? Because for me, you know, imagine, Ryan, just for a second, imagine we're doing all the things we're doing with Red Con One, and then I write best-selling books one or more every year. Like, that's insane. Yeah, it's insane. Plus, there's other stuff Ben's doing. So it's, a, it's definitely something I'm interested in talking to Ben about, multitasking and also being a father, a dad. That's unbelievable. I get people to say all the time, you know, to me, who is not writing books, how do you fit in your, your family life and, and, you know, kind of parcel out your time effectively to still be a good dad and run a, you know, a big business? Yeah. And so Ben does a whole bunch of things that does the, the dad thing as well. So it is, uh, is going to be one of the, the topics we discuss. He, but, also, um, he also punked me. I'll give you one more quick story. So yeah, that was a good one. Uh, I called him and he was like, hey, 
um, how am I supposed to do this show? And I said, well, it's, it's really easy. You know, we got step-by-step -step instructions and you just have to accept it. And he's like, well, I don't own a computer. I have a typewriter. And I was like, okay, well, I'm on a phone with you, so it must not be that bad. And I was like, you have a smartphone. He's like, no, it's a 1999 flip phone. I don't believe in smartphones. What do you want me to do? And then it's just like the Unabomber. awkward pause. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to go on record and saying that I really got punked. I, I'm, I, I started like sweating like crazy because he really was like serious. Yes. He's, he is a, a jokester. I've already got some text messages from him that are, that are uh, very similar, although he never fooled me. But yes, that is, uh, that is <laughs> it doesn't surprise me. Um, so that's good. I'm glad he actually has a computer. That would be weird. I would uh, definitely think uh, he's writing some kind of manifesto behind the scenes that he's going to put yes. out at some point. Uh, if, if he had no computer and he's a best-selling author, a venture, a uh, private equity venture capital guy, and yeah, if he had no computer, that would be weird. That would be a weird one. That'd be horrible. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger, the most famous bodybuilder ever, uh, with the second place Kai Green, who's been on the show what three or four weeks ago. Mm -hmm. uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger has had a lot of heart issues, uh, a lot of health problems, but thank God Arnold is uh, is safe and sound. I don't really like Arnold's politics, but I can't help but love the Oak. Arnold goes through his second heart surgery. Thankfully, he makes it out totally okay. And I don't know if you guys have the clip, but he was riding his bicycle uh, and the day after walking around doing some exercise. So it's amazing what modern medicine can do these days. Exactly. Uh, an open heart surgery used to be like, you know, life and death. And now it's, you know, routine. He's a, he's a literal machine. He's a little machine. You know, one of the things that I, I, I like about Arnold, one of the things I like about Arnold is that he's still a man of the people. I've seen Arnold at Gold's Gym Venice Beach many times working out with his friend uh, Rolf Molnar and uh, some of his, you know, his trainer. And then uh, he, really, he really has no security, which is always interesting to me. Uh, last time he was in the gym, you know, he bicycles from his house, which is right there in Santa Monica, to the gym, which is now closed because mm -hmm. it's in California. Um, and uh, and so I would see Arnold bike up with his buddies. Usually it's like a trainer and then his, uh, his best friend. Sometimes there's a security guy. Usually it's just those three dudes. And he comes in and trains. And, and last time I was like, I told Darielle, I'm going to go talk to him because all these years I've met him and everything. I've shook his hand. But I never really had like a real conversation like this is the time I'm going to do it. We're, Red Cow One is one of the main sponsors of the Arnold. At the, that year, the year before, you know, last year, we were really pretty much the, not the title sponsor, but basically the title sponsor. Everybody thought we were the title sponsor. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to go talk to him. And I waited and I said, you know, Daryl, as soon as somebody talks to him, bothers him, and they break the ice, I'll be the second person to buy. There he is, riding his bicycles. That's uh, that's Ralph Molnar right here. He's his best friend. Uh, literally, they're like bosom buddies. They go everywhere together. They're the best friends. He was in the Gladiator. If you guys remember the Gladiator, uh, with Russell Crowe, he was the big, muscular, huge gladiator. He looks a lot older here, but that's the same guy. He was also a professional bodybuilder, a really good professional bodybuilder for being 6'6". Extremely yeah. tough to be 6'6 and be a good bodybuilder and be filled out. But anyway, so uh, Darielle and me were watching him, and I was like waiting, waiting, waiting. And he did his whole workout, and not one person bothered him at the gym. So I never had my opportunity to uh, to bother him second. So um, I've yet to have the conversation, but he is just like a regular guy at the gym, which I was, I admire. The guy who's not so regular is uh, Kanye West. <laughs> and we always do our Yeezy Weekly and talk about the presidential race. And um, if you didn't get a chance yet, you uh, hopefully you've got a chance to see, because it was interesting to see him on Joe Rogan and hear, uh, hear some of his beliefs and, you know, kind of, I was actually surprised how rational he seemed on Joe Rogan. 
I was yeah. expecting him to be a little more irrational and crazy, but he, he was pretty rational and had some solid points. Uh, typical, you know, artist. It wasn't mm -hmm. like he was, um, he looks pretty crazy in that picture. Um, but, uh, but he was pretty, he was pretty damn cogent. Like his thoughts were, you know, it wasn't like he was all over the place. Like I would have expected. And, uh, and he already has his sights set on 2024. He says that God, and if you watch and listen to the interview, he says that God put him on this earth to be the leader of the free world. And so that's exactly what he plans to do. It's not going to be this year, but uh, four years from now, he's planning on taking it even more seriously, rededicating himself and, uh, and putting forth a, a big effort to be the new, uh, the next president, whatever the president is, whether it's Trump or Biden or whatever happens, uh, he wants to be next on the list. So we'll see how that goes. And uh, oh, another easy story. Oh my God, this is so much. Easy Academy, dear future, I still believe in you. That's what Kanye says. So Kanye is building this crazy, like, easy world or something. It's and a it's a Christian school. He's uh, he's giving back to the people through education. Well, I believe he also has run. You may not know this, but he has a town or city of his own that he's building with. Uh, not he doesn't believe in solar power. He says solar power is actually bad, but um, water power, hydro, hydro, uh, like you know the turbines, is what he believes in. And so he's getting this whole system of. Uh, of what is it called not hydroponic hydro hydroelectricity yeah like dam you know uh, yep. turns the turbines with the water and that creates the power and that is that's green and he likes it so he's going to be doing that and he is doing that for this the city that he's building so ryan if it doesn't work out at redcon one you you and johnny can move there and live together or something we can become like the uh the vice president in the media for uh the next presidential race yeah happy couple I'm here. you too i'm trying to change the world bro very diverse. Is that really the only two news stories we have with everything the, going on in the world? There's one more. We have the election, but I know you wanted to bring uh, Brother Ben in, who just he's uh, he is backstage with us now. Uh, oh, so okay. if you want so to, you want to go to commercial break and then bring Ben in, or was that, was that the plan? This. We go to commercial break, then we bring him in, and then we kick off with the last story, really around elections, and then we I'm sure it'll segue nicely. I, I'll make sure of it. Let's go to the commercial break, and we'll be right back in just a minute with Ben Coe's back. And, uh, and one hell of a good guy. What's up, guys? This weekend on November 7th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., I'm looking forward for all of you guys to come and party with us. Hey, guys. This Saturday, November 7th, we're having our Member Appreciation Day. We're having awesome deals on memberships. Bring your family. Come on in and check us out. Also, we're going to be running an awesome deal on some supplements and select apparel. You better be there. For the first time ever here at Redcon One Gym, we're having our Member Appreciation Day. Can't wait to see you there. Also, don't forget, stop by at the boot camp. We're going to have one from 10 to 11 and one from 2 to 3. Come get some sweat on and work out with us, guys. It's the month of giving. So we're giving away free swag and shipping all weekend long. Everyone who shops the Redcon 1 site this weekend will enjoy 30% off their entire order at checkout. Just use code VICE30. For every order over $50, Redcon 1 will gift you this free Vice City OG hoodie to keep you warm during this November cold front. Spend $75 and get this exclusive Black Ops shaker for free. This custom-designed shaker allows you to store your supplements at the same time with this secret compartment. Spend $85 and choose any two-pound bottle of protein on our site absolutely free. You can choose between our Way Isolate Isotope, our Meal Replacement MRE Lite, or go green with Green Beret. If you load up your cart and spend $200 or more, we'll cover the full cost of shipping. 
There's so much to be thankful for this November, so Redcon One is saying thank you with free gear and supplements. Visit RedconOne.com to shop now before flavors and product run out. Aaron Singerman, our founder at Redcon One, and Mr. Ben Coase, New York Times bestseller. We're all on together. There he is. Hey. Hey, what's on? What's going on, Ben? How are you? I'm good. Aaron, Thank nice to so meet much. you. Yeah, of course. So much. Thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate having you on. Obviously, this is an unorthodox show. Usually, I'm in the studio with Eric Hart, and it's you know in Boca. Instead, I'm here in Tennessee, and uh, we're making it happen. So I appreciate you being on the show, man. Where in Tennessee are you? I'm in uh, Brentwood. Familiar with Brentwood? No, not at all. It's like it's like uh, 20 minutes outside of Nashville. Got so, it. So yeah, I love I'm Nashville. Brentwood. Oh, yeah, is Nashville. Brentwood? Oh, I know. Yeah, it's like Dolly Parton land. Yeah, Dolly Parton. All the music stars are here. Yes, Dolly Parton land is exactly right. And then we're right by Franklin, so Franklin is down the road, and then and then Nashville is about 20 minutes. Got it. So pretty, pretty, uh, pretty cool. So Ben, I want to talk to you about the election, but before I talk to you about the election, let me tell you how much I like your books. So we were texting and you said, have you read any of them? And I said, well, Ben, I read all of them. I've read every one of them. I thought. And so, uh, I wanted to say thank you for being on the show, especially for that, because I have only a few authors that I really, really love and look forward to. I read a lot. I'm a big, big reader. I, I've, um, I've kept up with that reading a book or two a week for many, many years. And it's something that I love doing. It's something, you know, I feel like is important to me, but there's very few authors when a book is coming out where I pre-order it and I get excited for it. Like, like a lot of people with a movie where you're like, oh man, book's coming out. But every single Ben Coe's book I look forward to, I pre-order and I get excited for. Well, Aaron, thank you. Um, I really appreciate that. I don't know. Uh, I also thank you. Um, I'm. I just try to come up with stories that are compelling to people and that are based on current events. Yep. And uh, I know that you like Brad Thor. I know you're a big uh, Vince Flynn fan. Yep. And uh, so, I mean, I love it when. It, it's not just it's not you. Whenever someone says they like my books, it always makes me happy. So thank you. Of course. And uh, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to be humble, but um, <laughs> no, I know. You know, you know what? I, it's probably like so for me when I'm at an expo or somebody comes up at the airport or whatever and says, uh, "I love Redcon One." It's almost like the best way I can describe it to somebody is when somebody tells you that your kid, your your son is a great athlete or cute or smart. You're like, you know, you can't help but feel proud and like, oh, you know. See, I, it, not trying to immediately disagree with you, Aaron, <laughs> and but I do believe our relationship 
is based on honesty. Yes. Yes. Ben. And what I was going to say is that I think it feels a little different actually, and it should feel different for you because I've had, I mean, I, I don't know how many kids do you have, Aaron? Three. I have three little boys. Okay. I do too. And I've got a, I also have a fourth. I have a daughter. Okay. She's the baby. But you have three little boys, think, three boys, and a daughter too. Yes, well, and she's the, the last one. That's the dream, Ben. You you're living the dream. That's exactly what I'm hoping for. Oh, I know, but she will not be able to go out on a date until she's like 34. <laughs> <laughs> but what I was going to say though is, I think it's different because, as with Redcon or with my books, I wrote the book. You built Redcon. And there are other people involved. So I think it's a slightly different type of pride. And you talk about being in an airport. I can tell you, it didn't happen for several years until after my first book came out. But I was walking down the aisle of a plane and I saw someone reading my book. Cool. And it was really kind of magical. And then I started asking them about it and it turns out they had stolen it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, I think, I mean, I'm proud of my children, but I'm also proud of, of writing and you and your team should be proud of, of, uh, of Redcon. Because yeah. Redcon is kicking ass. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. It's been it's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's been. When did you start it? Uh, we started uh, Redcon one in uh, 2016. In the beginning. What of was your background before that? Other supplement companies. I owned other supplement companies, uh, and then before that, I was uh, in the world of bodybuilding and fitness as a. I guess you would say like a Bob Costas of uh, bodybuilding and fitness. So I traveled the world interviewing people um, in uh, bodybuilding shows. So I've been everywhere from Asia, India, you know, um, to uh, to all around America. And I would travel. Well, and I'm places. surprised we didn't meet, Aaron. Because I know I was thinking the same thing, Ben. With uh, with your incredible physique and your unbelievable symmetry, I would have imagined we would have crossed paths before. Well, I just think, I mean, I'm. I think everyone knows I'm pretty jacked. <laughs> and so I'm just surprised we didn't meet. Uh, me too. Me too. Well, no, that's well, cool. Glad, so so you now. saw an entrepreneurial opportunity in supplements. Yes. Well, for, for me, it was, it was more, it was honestly more than that in the sense that I love bodybuilding and fitness. I knew this is what I wanted to do. Um, and I knew also that when I had, when I got pregnant with my first kid, that there's no money in being the Bob Costas of bodybuilding and fitness. <laughs> Not I was paying the bills, but I was never going to be able to provide a, a meaningful living for my family. And so I looked around my space that I was in and in my space, there's no real ability to generate, you know, real income other than in the supplement portion of my space. So, uh, that, and I love supplements anyway, I've been taking uh, protein and different types of, you know, pre-workouts and everything else since I was a teenager. So it was a very easy decision to try to transition into creating, uh, um, a supplement company. And, uh, 
and one turned into two and turned into three and, and eventually developed into what you see today with Redcon one, which is kind of like the, the culmination of all of them put together uh, here. Did you, like when you started it, was it just like you and maybe your wife or your best friend or just you alone? Or did you have a team in mind? So when I started Redcon one, I was very fortunate in the fact that I had already had some resources in terms of finance. I had connections, I had a, a reputation. And so a lot of people believed in me right away because of the other successes that I had. And so uh, I was able to basically bet on myself and I had about eight or nine employees, maybe nine employees plus me before the brand ever had generated a dollar. So we had built out a real uh, plan before ever having a product um and but how did you know who the nine people were um well a few of them came with me from pre previous company uh eric hart who's the president of redcon one was uh was a friend and a long time uh supplement executive and he was from a supplement company that had sold or really been acquired and then he right. worked uh in the in the following company for four years and the company that acquired that company and uh and him and then a few other employees like eduardo silva and a few other people came over and then I just interviewed people and I've always been a good judge of talent and, uh, you know, uh, talk to people, see what their skill set is. Do they fit in? Do they not? And then over the years, I've learned how to uh, uh, hire and then uh, unfortunately fire people that don't fit in and don't hold on to people too, too long. I do my best not to hold on to people too long if they're not going to work out because maybe they have something else that they're destined to do other than work for right kind of one. I agree. By the way, ben, I'm think, supposed to be interviewing you, Ben. You're interviewing me. Well, I, Aaron, I do think that it's interesting that you don't remember me because you fired me twice <laughs> in the past two years. I do remember it, Ben. Weren't you, weren't you packing the boxes in the back? I remember you. No, mine was, I don't think we should talk about it <laughs> on the podcast. I but, have cameras um, everywhere for, for stories like this, Ben. Let me make sure. No, I, I understand where you're coming from so well it's good to hear your story and congratulations thank you ben let's talk about the election because i got all these questions for you but first let's talk about the election okay it's a, it's a crazy time so it was already i mean obviously 2020 is probably the craziest year that you know anybody alive today has been through arguably right uh and then um now we're dealing with 2020 whoa what's going on up oh, there he goes so 2020 now has this going on uh, where we're dealing with a lot of uncertainty and, uh, you know, in a lot of red and blue states, a lot of uh, voting that seems to be very uh, uncertain in terms of is there a fraud, is there not, what's going to happen next, you know, there's going to be a lot of legal action resulting because of this, and uh, nobody knows what's going on. So I wanted to get your opinion, Ben. You worked in the White House, you've been involved in, in, in politics, you know, the inside of this stuff. What do you think? So you wanted, do you feel like talking about Redcon again? <laughs> you can talk about Red if you want, Ben. <laughs> no. Um, my wife begged me not to talk about politics tonight. Um, and that oh, there he is. Oh, my God. Ben. I can't believe we never, you were in great condition, no, dude. Now, like, I would never, I'm more like live. Other people have a six pack. 
I have a keg. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I always tell my kids. No, I think, um, I don't know. It's, it's, I'm not trying to, you know, create controversy. I think it's sad that, you know, for the first time since Dwight Eisenhower, we haven't had a war. And I think COVID has had an impact. I mean, if you look at the exit polls, it's not as big as people thought, but it's had an impact. And, and then I, you know, I just think it's sad because I think that regardless of what you think, he's been a very good president. And I think that, you know, look at the fact that we have three deals that have been negotiated in the Middle East, Aaron. I was in Israel researching my third book. The Last Refuge, and and I've written a lot about the Middle East, and I know a lot of people involved in the Middle East, both in the U.S. and in other places, and what he did was historic, and I and I think that um, so it. You know, it, it just kind of bumps me out because not as a Republican, but just as I feel like for the first time in a while, we've had an actual kind of like CEO who's confronting things like China, like NATO, and cleaning up these hereditary messes from the past and is doing a very good job at it and is actually not representing Republicans. He's representing everyone he's, he's you know he it, he's basically a new york real estate developer a successful one that we hired as ceo and i think that he's done a very good job and unfortunately you know it it seems like a lot of the country doesn't agree with my opinion um and so my basic feeling is a little bit of like sadness because i think that four more years and i'm not just like a mr like a i don't necessarily love every well i do like every policy thing he does i don't care about what he tweets or whatever what i care about as an american is what he does and so it's disappointing to me that we potentially, you know, maybe probably are not going to have him running the country. Instead, we're going to have someone who is senile, whose son is a complete crook, you know, and that just, I, I just actually can't believe it's even close. Anyway, um, my wife is like, I just heard my name kind of like 
mutter from the other room, so I need to. <laughs> I don't think you went too far, Ben. I, I look ninety nine percent. I'm a big believer. I don't believe in the polls, but I do believe in the uh, in the voting odds. I'm a big believer, and I talked to Roger Stone about this at his house a few days ago, and we've discussed it several times. Is that you know the money, the smart money, is people who are creating the odds, the house basically. And if you were to look before coronavirus, it was ninety nine to one that Trump was going to be elected, reelected. I'm talking about in uh, in February when the when the economy was booming pre coronavirus, and so obviously. You know, it doesn't take a genius to see that the coronavirus and the effects are what changed the the course of history. Right now, the interesting thing is, is like what else could he have done? So if Joe Biden was Donald Trump, hypothetically, and we reverse the course of history and instead it's Joe Biden, he's dealing with the coronavirus. It wouldn't have been any better. It would not have been better. It probably would have been worse because he would have been afraid to shut down China. He would have been afraid to close borders. It's not like this is a, a, a Trump thing. It's it's an uncontrollable. Oh, absolutely. I mean that. I mean absolutely. And if you and if you think about my next book, The Island, can't wait. It will allow people to segue from thinking about the election to moving on. <laughs> So give us the give no. us the plot. Give I'm just I, Aaron. I'm just kind of kidding, but I hear what you're saying, and uh, I mean the biggest thing for me is the fact that if you look at the the subjective uh, content or material that has occurred in terms of what happened around. Trump's impeachment, it was clearly manufactured. And and actually, I was talking to my wife today about this. It's like, you can't be surprised. I'm not saying that there's fraud. I don't know. Like, I don't have firsthand knowledge. And I don't go around accusing people. But they essentially, someone manufactured manufactured it was it didn't exist manufactured john brennan guys like that evidence to attempt to remove him from office and they succeeded in impeaching him but but and they and they distracted so it's not just coronavirus it's also that and yet he survived and is you know frankly within a whisker like if he loses, he lost by a whisker. Yeah. And that says something. And the same people are, you know, essentially behind or, you know, pushing for Joe Biden. And so, so ben, let me let me ask you, Ben, you're you're I know you're a historian of, of the this type of stuff. Has there ever been a president? that has had so much uh animosity generated from uh other the other political party or just in general has he has there anybody ever been up against this kind of opposition while as the president benjamin harrison tell me about that i'm just kidding i'm just i have no idea what benjamin harrison did <laughs> i was gonna say i don't know anything about that at all 
Now, I think that um, I think the mistake that was made by the Trump campaign, and I've run campaigns. I think the mistake that was made was not focusing on one message, and the message should have been law and order. And in 1972, um, that was the focus, and George McGovern took one state. I think the message was extremely diluted, and then to the extent there was a message, it was hacked up and chopped up by different voices who were author essentially authorized to speak for the president. And I think, I think if anything, there was a huge lack of, of uh, discipline. It should have been about law and order and what was occurring in the country. And I think if they had done that, I think it, we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't be um, waiting for Nevada to come in, waiting for the counts to come in, etc. cetera. Uh, but they, so I think when you look at the margins in Wisconsin, when you look at the margins in Michigan, and you look at the margins that he may win at, or in North Carolina, Nevada, like, it's way too close and it's self-inflicted yep yeah i i agree. my opinion i no, i agree i think that i think that if he would have handled certain things differently it wouldn't be in this unfortunately his his uh and i will segue out of this in a second but his worst enemy uh unfortunately is, is himself you know is that you know he is a, a very polarizing figure and he says what's on his mind. And that's probably part of why he got elected in the first place is because he says what's on his mind. But it's uh, it's definitely kind of come back to haunt him. You look at the the first uh, the first debate even of, uh, of the two. And um, it's like if he would have just been quiet, right? If he just had done what he did See, in the second debate, we wouldn't have seen I don't criticize him, Aaron, because I think that to me that's a campaign issue. And that message is a campaign issue. It's not about him. I would not say to change him one bit. Um, but, and, and, you know, I think that, look, America is going to be fine yeah. because of good Americans like you and because Americans have access to supplements that help them. <laughs> <laughs> they have enough protein here in this country. Build muscles. Exactly. Look, it, look at Ben again. Ben. See, that's more, that's closer to more reality. It's not necessarily what it looks like, but it's what I think it's what I think what it America, looks like. Looks like that's what America wants, Ben. Let's talk about let's talk about books. Let's talk yeah. About books. Okay. So when I read, so I read Power Down. I want to say Power Down came out in what is it, 2010 or 11 or something like that, right around there. It actually came out in 1918. 
um, really ahead of your time, man. Yeah. I mean, uh, that like, was an important year. That was the end of World War One, and that's when you came out of your came out with your book, huh? I don't think they'd even discovered offshore oil drilling. Yes, that's true. And, uh, no, so, okay. um, it so came out in two thousand. No, it came out in two thousand ten. Yeah. Oh, that's right. And I wrote it, Aaron. I wrote it as a hobby. I uh, yeah. And I was an English major. I went to Columbia and I wrote it. I always told myself I was going to write a book. And one day I woke up and I said to my wife, I've been thinking about writing a book for all this time and I haven't done anything. And she <laughs> was the inspiration. She said, will get up and start writing. So I started writing and I haven't stopped. And I didn't write it to be a, even to get it published. I just, I wrote it because ever since I graduated from Columbia, I wanted to write a book. And it, you know, I was very fortunate. It went well, people seemed to like it. And Vince Flynn, got a copy of it and he told you know essentially the thriller world the thriller reader world how much he liked it and I think that you know Vince Flynn may he rest in peace was really in a way a mentor to me and and also set an, because he set an example which was he he championed my book. Yeah. Even though some would think that to the extent my books are selling, it might take away from his book selling. It's actually not the, not what happens. The fact is that people who read thrillers, uh, they read. And so he was telling his his readership that he thought it was a good book. So Vince helped a lot, and yeah, that's cool. And from there, it just kind of picked up. And now, I mean, I think we sold. I think my last book we sold over a. I think over a billion copies. Mostly in China. Um, I'm just kidding. I was gonna say a billion. No, it's been fun. <laughs> I don't want to be. I don't want to like. Make, sure, it was a billion, not maybe a million, but that, that's no. Cool. It was a billion. A billion, maybe, maybe even a few billion. It was, in fact, it was closer to two billion, but I just sounds kind of bragging when you yeah. say 1.87 billion <laughs> copies well and you only you only make been like what like 75 cents a book right so it's only like a billion or stuff right no i actually don't make anything oh it's a it's like a donation that's for the foundation i wouldn't say it's a donation 
I basically self-publish. So every book I sell, I actually lose money. I'm in deep debt. <laughs> China. <laughs> to China? To China? Well, China, the Philippines, Understand. England. No, no, it's it's gone well. Thank you for asking. I think people <laughs> like the main character, Dewey. Yes. So I've written... I, well, if you include the book that I'm now working on, Aaron, that will come out next summer, it's about um, it's about Dewey, and I think that it's a character-driven series. And I think you like you texted me today, and I get texts all the time. People just relate to Dewey, Andreas. And you start with Power Down, and then you. I try to, well, I don't just try. It's important for me that it's a chronology of his life in a way. And, you know, this is a guy who, he was in the military. He was a ranger. He graduated first from ranger school, winter school. He was recruited into Delta, which is where they get a lot of them. And when the opening of the first book begins, Dewey Andreas has, is coming back from an operation and his wife is dead and she's committed suicide. And so, and that happens 10 years before Power Down starts. And he is accused of killing her. He's incarcerated. And then he's acquitted by a jury. And he represents himself. Because he didn't do it. And he goes off. He leaves the United States. And he goes and works in the oil business. And I worked in the oil business. So, like, I think the scenes in the first book involving the offshore oil business are pretty uh i'm not sure accurate i think they're accurate in terms of the mood I were think. you a roughneck ben you worked uh, yeah were you <laughs> with your education you would be one hell of a roughneck me yeah, you. Oh, I would be. Me? Aaron, I, I know you're kidding. Like, and I know you're like Mr. Hardass, but Mr. Hardo. But like honestly, I would not want to get in a fight with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd pick you up and spin you around your wife would come out ben! she'd be really upset she'd be really upset ben, and scared probably stop <laughs> no but that first book aaron i just <laughs> ben i don't know why they're trolling you so hard man i don't maybe mind that's it not even maybe that's is that real though 
No, I mean that's when Ben was a roughneck and shaved his whole body to to for the mud to to just come right off of him. I don't have those muscles, Aaron, but I think my chest is pretty sexy. <laughs> I mean, and I'm the only one who thinks that. <laughs> Not everyone wants, you know, just like just this huge like no so anyway i wrote the first book and people like dewey and so the next one the island that's coming out next summer which i'm working i've written it well actually it was written there and you'd be i think interested in this it's kind of like a supply chain thing it was supposed to come out in August of this year. Oh, really? And I think all of us together made the decision. And when I say all of us together, what I really mean is just my publisher. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I agree with the decision, which is the island is about an attack on Manhattan by Iran, by Hezbollah. And they cut off Manhattan. There are four tunnels. Wait, hold on. Wait. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, but there are four tunnels into Manhattan, Aaron, and... Hezbollah essentially, and and I do believe that this is a major vulnerability that we have. And I try to write about vulnerabilities in the hope that someone reads it and pays attention. But they they cut off, they destroy those four tunnels. It's a very planned operation, and it is the day that. The president is at the UN. And so they trap, the president is trapped at the UN. At the same time, they activate the island is about, you know, essentially an all out attack. So there are three tiers to the Hezbollah attack. And this is how I think it would happen. The tunnels, and then you've got active gunmen who they activate inside Manhattan and the president is trapped at the UN. Kind of like die hard at the UN. And Dewey's there, Dewey's there to protect him. No, that's the thing about this book where I'm veering off a little bit. Dewey is actually in southern France, um, touring vineyards. So he's actually not really involved, and the president dies. Is that how it ends? Because that you just ruined the whole book. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, Dewey's he nearby. Dewey care. And, and Rob Tacoma, Rob Tacoma is at a hotel in New York City. Ah. And so Dewey is nearby. He and 
it happens very suddenly. The, the entire book takes six hours. Cool. Well, that's six hours. I know the entire a guy. book, and it took me six hours to write. Wow, that's intense. It's just this is going. If only I'm that was the it. case, man. You could have a book every month. That would be great. No, it. I think it's pretty good. Um, in terms of it kind of starts I think it, it reminds me of power down a little bit it starts in like fourth gear and then pretty soon you're in like fifth and then you go into like sixth gear and it it's just like hard throttled because you've got You've got the president trapped. You've got active shooters that are activated. You know, we're talking about like Lyft drivers and Uber drivers. Redcon salesmen. They're dangerous. <laughs> Very dangerous. <laughs> no, but... And then... The thing is, beyond this whole, like, the president is trapped thing, there's a larger plot going on. Wow. It has to do with the Fed. Interesting. And that starts to come in just as you're freaking out about the president about to get killed. I think it's, I mean, ben, I think it's pretty good. Ben, two things. One, if you need somebody to do a review and an advanced reader copy, I know a guy. Can you just give me the finger? Sort of. I mean, I could, but I'm saying You're this like, guy. <laughs> All right. I'll, yes, I want you to do a review. Yes, I would love it. I would love it. And then the other thing is, when will when will so these books, all your books uh, from Power Down to Now the Island, all seem to me to be movies. Like they're movies. They're they're this character. Both of the characters really are are guys I can see as a TV show. I can I can imagine characters playing them. Have you ever had any interest from a major motion picture like a, a to, to do one or 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 a, have you any uh, TV opportunities? Uh yes, Aaron, a lot of opportunities. You're I think a savvy businessman. So oh. and I and I tell people this, there are so first of all, if someone options your book, there are a couple of things to remember that are essentially systemic. If someone options your book, there is a 99% chance it will never be made into anything. So someone offers you a little bit of money, they lock it up, your character, and authors announce this all the time, like, oh, I, you know, we're having this thing made with Brad Thor or whatever until it's on the screen it's bullshit okay 99% never gets made and number one number two it is a very clogged channel I mean if you think about it there are a lot of writers who come out with books that could be made into movies every year and maybe one or or maybe none get made into movies. Let's think about Vince Flynn. 
So Vince Flynn, American is, and, and if it does get made, oftentimes it's a piece of crap. Let's take American Assassin. That book required a budget of a hundred million dollars, but the but they didn't spend the money on it. Okay. And so it ended up, you know, doing badly and not being a good movie. So all that being said, I have carefully, you know, I've turned down a lot of options because I don't want to be, I don't want to option it, make a little bit of money, and then have it sit there on the sidelines. I don't care about the option money. What I care about is if it gets made. And there have been a number of different efforts to develop it. I would say right now, I think something is going to get made, and I think that it's going to be my second book, Coup d'etat. I think cool. it's going to be a major motion picture. It's, and I think that is, and I think that's cool. I think it's a great book, but it's the first effort where the combination of the producers and the people behind it are talking about the correct type of budget. And for coup d'etat, it's somewhere between 150 million and 200 million. Wow. You know, I like, I'd rather not have something made than to have it made incorrectly. Yep. That makes sense, Aaron. 100%, 100%. You don't want it to be a piece of shit and then nobody watches or they say it's some reflection on you. Um, because there's no budget and there's a shitty or, or never get terrible actor. Yeah, it's got to be or never get made is the worst. You can't be raw, Aaron. I mean, my books are yeah. raw. It's got to be raw. It's got to be someone who understands the, you know, how, like what I'm writing about. It's not. It's not exactly James Bond. It's closer to Ludlum, I think. Yeah. In that. And maybe even a little bit more raw than that. And and with coup d'etat, there is a group in Hollywood that is, you know, that's like a stud group that is working on it. And I think that's the most important thing is to find, as it relates to Hollywood, someone who believes you. And it's not just trying to punch a transaction. Yeah. Makes that makes sense. Any sense. So 100% makes sense to me. And, and this is your baby. You don't want to give it to somebody who's not going to, who's going to try to uh, dull that, dull it down and, and uh, fit it into a, you know, a square pet hole when you, you, you've got something special. And, and obviously the, the, I mean, these days in how, and I, and I don't know Hollywood, but, the, but my perception is these days in Hollywood, it's a weird time for there and they're going to want to try to, you know, change your your vision and obviously correct that's not something you want you want done so you got to find the right person to, right. to do it so you know mark greeny right what does he what does he do what did he do 
he installs kitchen linoleum. Oh yeah, he's great, man. He got yeah, my marble good. just right. It was perfect. No, he writes thrillers. Mark and his now. book got What's optioned book? and Brad Pitt was supposed to play it and then it Brad Pitt you know like opted out and then the people behind it were like, "You know what? We actually think this would be better with a female as your main character. It'd be like if someone <laughs> controlled my like Dewey and was like, "Listen, we might we'd like to make Dewey a female." Disaster. Yeah, right. It would be a disaster. And it's not it's not getting made. No, it's, I mean, it's a disaster. Just, yeah, the other like, problem you have, Aaron, is that it's all comic books. Yeah. I mean, people in Hollywood don't even read they yeah. don't read the books they read treatments of the books that someone have done for them if you're lucky yeah they don't even read aaron no, no i couldn't i couldn't deal with that so ben when you write these books you know obviously so for for redcon you know, we are involved with and, and have on our team and have a bunch of employees that are that are from SEAL Team 6. And uh, we have a bunch of Delta guys. and I'm, I'm friendly with a lot of them. Really? And interact with them regularly. Yeah. Yeah, quite a few. Um, so I'm curious. Yeah, well, two of my of my closest friends, uh, Chris Friedrichsen and Sean Rosario, are gold squadron guys. I mentioned to you in, in text from uh, from SEAL Team 6 and and Sean was on Red Squadron, uh, excuse me, Sean was on Gold and, and Chris was on Red. And there's a long list of from Dom Rosso, who was also on Gold. And uh, to, there's a long list of them. Uh, Terry Huin, who is a Gold Squadron for uh, 20 plus years. He is right there. It's Terry. He was 20 Jesus. years. Uh, Johnny Primo. Um, Johnny Primo right there is uh, was a Ranger and then uh, Green Beret. Are you trying to essentially challenge me to a fight i mean i could i think i could take a few of them but like are you talking about all at once i just don't i, I don't know I, oh there he is there he is you're very tan in that picture but that's a little bit closer yeah it's closer to reality i i that's the triceps closer. are more 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 similar and the and the traps your traps are pretty pretty developed um i'm saying what i was saying ben was was would you fight them but more importantly did you base these characters on people that you know, or did you use any, did you develop did you like relationships? Is there anything that, that you're basing these guys on uh, in reality? Oh, that's a great question, Aaron. Um, absolutely. So my godfather was a Navy SEAL. He was in Vietnam. He was on SEAL Team 4. He was shot in the Mekong Delta. Um, and you know, there's a character in Power Down. If you know Teddy Marks, who's the CEO of the oil company in Power Down, it's based on my godfather. And God bless him. He was, I was closer to him. He died of cancer a few years ago, but I was closer to him than I was to my own father. And um you know so i absolutely base 
characters on people. I also just kind of name my friends <laughs> like buddies uh, after, you know, I, you're constantly looking for names. And so I will name someone a character who's just like a buddy of mine from town. Uh, and it's not that they're necessarily have the same profile of the person, but, um, but I also would say that I invest a lot of time in sources. A lot of it is just essentially, like I would say the larger, what I try to do is look at current events, identify the risks that we're thinking about as a country and write about them. Um, but in terms of the characters that I develop, uh, I try to make it as realistic as possible. I travel to different places. For Last Refuge, I went to Israel. So I taught at the Kennedy School at Harvard for a semester and went to the White House and in government. But honestly, my time at the Kennedy School was incredible, Aaron, because the faculty at the Kennedy School is essentially a hodgepodge of ex-intelligence, ex-military, ex-government officials from different countries all over the world. And it's been an incredible opportunity. So when I went to Israel, so for my third book, The Last Refuge, I was trying to figure out how are we getting into Israel? I mean, how, how are we getting into Iran and running operations? And I didn't want to make it up, but I couldn't figure out how we were doing it. And so I called and I kind of bounced around like a ping pong ball inside the Kennedy School. And then I was introduced to this guy who's the number two in Israeli intelligence. And he didn't, through an intermediary, he agreed to meet with me. He would not text with me and he would not talk with me on the phone, but he agreed to have dinner. So I flew to, I flew to Tel Aviv just to ask him this question. And we, we had dinner together. He looked like Chris Christie. Remember, you know him, right? Of course. He was a number two at Mossad. And we had dinner at a hotel in Tel Aviv. And he didn't tell me everything. And there were areas that, you know, I'm not writing nonfiction here. And I'm, I'm, I'm not looking for to break news. I'm more like trying to get the details right about what was a fundamental aspect of my third book, which was how are we, how is, how are Israel, the U.S. and Britain how are we getting people into Iran and running operations? And interestingly, Aaron, so we had dinner on Wednesday night. Do you remember when the chief nuclear scientist at Natanz was blown up by a car bomb? I do. Remember that? It was a huge story. That happened on the Monday that I got there. 
And so I'm having, I get there on like a Tuesday or maybe the Wednesday and I'm having dinner with the number two at Mossad. And I was just looking around like, I'm not sure I feel this comfortable. And before he came in, I would say there were approximately six gunmen who walked in, who's a crowded restaurant. They took a position. They all had rifles or, well, submachine guns, really. And the people in the restaurant barely batted an eye because they're so used to it. And we sat down and he told me, he didn't tell me everything. I would say he told me less than 50% of what I asked, but he gave me enough for my book, which was how are we penetrating Iran? And it was very interesting. One of the things I didn't know is that Britain runs on behalf of it's it, Britain is very, very actively involved in what happens in the Middle East in terms of backstage intelligence operations. And, and I wrote this in the book, but basically the new, there were a bunch of articles that essentially said that the nuclear scientist was killed by a couple guys on motorcycles. And what he explained to me was that it was a, I think a 15 year old on a moped. It was one person, a 15 year old on a moped and that the Kurd, it's really about the Kurds and the Kurdish camps kind of Northern Iran and Iraq are run very much like military camps and they are, they are identifying people at a very early age that they believe can, can help out. And, and the people identifying them are, you know, MI6, Langley, Mossad. And what they do is they pop them out at age like 14. Um, he would not tell me where they trained them. And then they pop them back in and they can blend in. And that is how we are penetrating Iran. So it was worth the trip. And it was a lot of fun. He was incredibly entertaining. He ordered two $250 bottles of wine and he drank both of them almost by himself. And we had a blast and he helped me write that book. So that's why how I try to do research combined with just making things up. <laughs> well, that's awesome. You do a very, uh, very good job of it, Ben. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you, you mentioned it uh, in towards the beginning, um, the White House. So you worked in the White House early on. How did that happen? And what was the experience like for you? I Yes, I did. I worked for, I was an intern for Ronald Reagan. And that was a blast. So I went and worked there over a kind of a spring and summer. I took my courses essentially remotely from Columbia. 
and I worked in the advance office and the advance office sets up trips and I wouldn't necessarily want to be an advance person as a career, but I'll tell you as an intern, it was a lot of fun because we were the, we were the only interns that, you know, every night we got to go to some event that Ronald Reagan, you know, some fundraiser, and things like that, they were a lot of fun. You had to ride in motorcades and stuff like that. So as an intern, it was just ideal. I made a lot of friends there. And one of the guys I worked for introduced me to my wife. And uh, I dated several women in the office. This is before I met my wife. Um, I dated, I may have dated all of them. No, I'm just kidding. No, I was just a, just an intern, but I made lifelong friends there and it was the best internship. I had a friend who worked, I don't know if the office still exists, Aaron, but it was called the presidential scrapbook office. Wow. And so all she did all day long was cut out articles from newspapers and post them into scrapbooks wow. that are probably at the Reagan library. So I did that. It was a blast. And, and actually a lot of one of the trips I worked on was the United Nations. And it was Ronald Reagan's final address at the United Nations. And it actually helped me write the book that's about to come out, The Island. But um, yeah, so I worked there. And then I did my senior year in college. And then I um, went back and I was a speechwriter. And I was a, I was a White House appointed speechwriter to the Secretary of Energy during the Gulf War. And and um, and then I went to work, and then I was recruited for the Texas Oilman, ah. which is how I kind of started moving into the private sector. Well, that's really neat. That's really cool. In, in terms of uh, the president, did you ever? Is there a memory? For, so Ronald Reagan is my my favorite president, maybe with the exception of uh, of the uh, the guy, uh, the big guy right now, right? Oh yes. Uh, so I, I really, uh, I've Aaron, always I have, loved, yeah, go ahead, man. I have a great memory. In fact, I was telling my son Oscar about this last night. So one of the trips I did, I got to go to Miami and I don't know if you remember a Senator named Connie Mack from Florida. I don't know the name, I don't remember. I don't remember much, but I remember the name. Yeah, well, he remembers you, and he's pissed. He says he's was like stole. six years old or something. Yeah, he says he stole his idea. <laughs> he wants to be livid. No, um, so it was a fundraiser there, and President Reagan didn't, and there were, I don't know how many people at some huge hotel but maybe 500 
I mean, I don't know. I can't remember like fundraisers, maybe a thousand. Anyway, he comes in and he doesn't come in through the entrance because for security reasons, they would bring him down through the basement and through the kitchen. And he comes to the kitchen. And honestly, it's probably my favorite memory of him. He stops. There are a bunch of like cooks, dishwashers, um, chefs, whatever. And he wasn't looking at what nationality they were. And maybe some of them, he just stopped in the kitchen and spent, I would say, 20 minutes asking them questions and telling them jokes. He loved telling jokes and he was so good at it. His jokes were hilarious. They were always rated G, but they were just in his delivery. They were funnier than any joke you've ever heard. And he just sat there or stood there for, I would say 20 minutes because he went around and like met everyone. And he basically was like, I mean, he it was he was in his second term. You know, he just loved people. And you got that sense with him. He was such a kind, kind man. He was just very simple and down to earth. And I, you know, I, um, my last day there, I, and they brought me over and he, you know, we took a picture with me. And of course he knows my name. I couldn't remember his name and I'm still <laughs> embarrassed about that. But somehow he remembered my name. You would have been surprised, I'm sure, Ben, if you're like, who are you again? Well, was that? Oh, nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah. It's really cool. It's really cool. I've no, always he heard... was a, if you like him a lot, you're not incorrect in your uh, in your instincts. He was a wonderful guy. I've done some stuff at the Reagan Library. Have you been out there, Ern? No, but I would love to go. That's on that's on the list for sure. Well, I think I spoke out there. I think you should speak out there. I'm going to introduce you to. I mean, they only bring in someone every like couple months, but so definitely. It should definitely be me. <laughs> no, why not? I'd be I'd be honored to, although I think I may not be qualified for that, but I would love to do it, of course. I wasn't qualified. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> You're more qualified. Dude, I was an intern. <laughs> I mean, it's not like I was setting, like, I wasn't like, well, I wasn't like, Mr. President, I think, uh, you need to do this with Gorbachev. But you weren't you weren't in the scrapbook department, so you were you weren't you know you weren't. Oh, I got to travel there. all the you time. To travel, yeah. There you go. Well, travel and also just like every night there'd be an event in Washington, like the correspondence center or something, and we would just yeah. like, hey, can you go over and staff it? It's a blast. You get to have. Uh unlimited booze and food and meet people that sounds like a good thing now when you're working well you gotta hide it you gotta hide it and you know no, we we never did anything like that and i'm no. actually 
I'm now regretting coming on this show because you're obviously <laughs> a moral reprobate. <laughs> ben, ben, I know you well enough to know you would never do anything like that. I know that. For never. Sure. So, Ben, tell me about like, you, you, so a lot of people ask me, I mentioned this in the beginning of the show. You probably don't remember this, but I mentioned it in the beginning of the show that uh, life like balance is that people ask me a lot. They say, well, you have this company of all these people that work for you, all this. How can you possibly uh, be a father and like go home and like, how can you be present? Which I'm not, I won't lie. I'm not always present at the moment at home, but I do my very best to do the best job that I can and try to like live up to, you know, my own expectations and my wife's expectations. Who's back there yelling at the kids right now. Um, you know, it's, it's tough though. It's tough. If you are really driven, I'm, I'm a very obsessed person. It's, it's part of my nature to be obsessed. Sometimes you don't think about anything other than where you're going, but you've done a great job of not only becoming a New York times bestselling author and, and a father, but you're also, uh, in private equity, you've, you know, been involved in businesses other than your own and then creating your own stuff. So I wanted to hear. How did you develop that and how did it happen? And do you even have a life balance? Am I just giving you extra credit you don't deserve? I'm not sure I understand the question. <laughs> I feel like you've got no life balance, Ben. I feel like that's what oh, you're Oh, life balance. I think it really helps when you have a wonderful and understanding partner. Oh, yeah. I've been married for 20, 20 days now. Um, <laughs> my seventh wife. And Watch she's out just, when you get to a month, man. A month no, I've been married for 20, almost 24 years. I think it, wow. and there, you need, at least my experience is that you need that compass and anchor and you might not always get along but when you're on the same page in terms of the larger goal not professionally but more like around your kids and around the legacy you want to live um i think that is the case so i would give on to the extent there's any balance i would give credit to my wife shannon and and to our children but i also give her credit for the great job she's done at that and, and i think that if i didn't have that aaron i don't think that um i would have i don't i wouldn't have written my first book and i wouldn't i certainly wouldn't probably I wouldn't be as jacked as I am, you know, just in terms of, well, just about like muscle, you know, it's just, (laughs) just like. She she keeps you on your diet. She keeps her diet. (laughs) Look at the serratus on you, Ben. Serratus. It's actually encouraging to know that someone on your staff is listening. Oh yeah, they're listening and watching Ben. They're looking for other opportunities right now. I'm sure. Yeah, right I, would, now. I, I don't know about you. Like, how about you, Aaron? How do you do it? Is are you Stay different? so ripped and tan? You mean? Um, I mean, I guess if you Throwing think you're ripped, give me a new one. 
Johnny, Johnny, let's get a new. No, one. How do you balance? How do you balance things? You know what? Honestly, it's exactly like you said. I, I, I don't think that I do at all. Honestly, I think I'm terrible at it. But I, I have a wife that forces me to do it because she will literally, you know, call me, text me, and say, "Where are you? Come home." And uh, and like your kids are asking about you and shit like that. And if it goes too far, just as rare. But she'll say, you, you know, if if you love your kids, come home now. <laughs> and uh, and honestly, it's as, as weird as that may sound to people out there. That's kind of what I need because I am, as I admitted earlier, I am obsessively uh, focused on goals. And sometimes you may lose, I lose sight of the really important things because I'm focused on something that, you know, immediately seems important, but overall is not important and is not an imperative. And so she, my wife, Darielle, causes me to say, okay, wait, I need to back up from what seems important at the moment and think about my, my life yeah. and my legacy, as you said, Ben. And my, my boys are much more important than a monthly sales goal or a phone call to China or a phone call to Australia. Right. And, and I shouldn't be not spending time with my, my sons because I have a call to Australia. I can tell those people, call me tomorrow or call somebody else because I have people. Or you can just tell them to fuck off. <laughs> That's, ben, that is usually, you know, when you say that to a, a, somebody who's buying products, they don't usually I like know. it, surprisingly, you know. I know. It doesn't always no, work out. And I think it's awesome that your wife finally, well, that did she just graduate from college? Yes, she's uh, she actually finished high school just or she looks, she looks like it. Well, thank you. She would love to hear that. She is, she's extremely look, I did good for myself, Ben. I am, I'm 40 years old. I'm 40, so I'm 40 and she is 30. About to be thirty-four, December. Uh, You're forty. I'm forty. I'm forty years old. Yes. Jesus. I I know I look thirty-ish, but yeah, I'm forty. I know. Well, it's it's, crazy, it's impressive what you've built. Thank you. The fact that you have your own show. This is this is the this is the apex of it, my career right here, Ben. I've never such that it is. This moment. Such that it is. <laughs> you know, I think you and I are probably the only ones watching right now. Johnny, but, we have is, is how many thousands? How many hundreds of thousands of people are watching now? Oh, you just wrote no, five five hundred thousand. Forty. Forty. Wow. Do I look older, Ben? I feel like you're saying I look older. No, so I'm, I'm just. Polish. Like I, I thought you were. I'm mad. Oh. You just broke the internet. Uh, Kim Kardashian is calling me to see if you could get the internet back on. She is losing sales. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate she that. Is. You heard that, Ben? Can we you broke. pass something on to her, Ryan? Sure. What would you like me to tell her? She's uh, she's on hold. Uh, I'm trying to say how to say this politely. Can you tell her to fuck off? Uh, Mr. Ben says to fuck off, please. She has to throw. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate that. See, look, they're always listening, Ben. They're always listening, and uh, and they're uh, they're they're doing your bidding. But, so I think it's amazing. You're forty, and your Redcon is the fastest growing. Are you reading this off something, Ben? 
no, I'm looking at you. I'm just okay. trying to, it's the fast growing, like what's the category? Health supplements? Sport supplement. No, not health. So, sports supplements. Sports supplements in the yeah. world, in the history. In the history of the world. Faster than Mountain Dew. The Mountain Dew is probably not considered a sports supplement, but I guess it depends on where you're coming from. It is delicious. It is delicious. What is top line revenue? I can't say that on here, Ben. I'll tell you on a call. I'll tell you, I'll tell you on a call, Ben. I'll, I'll tell you that it has this many numbers in it. That many. Four? Yes, four. Four. So that's four why I'm in private equity. Yes, four numbers, four numbers, and they are big, See, large numbers. If you work in They're private wrong. equity. Oh Whoa. That is um, way, way Aaron, if you work in private equity, like you held up nine numbers. And I reduced it. That's just natural instinct in private equity. <laughs> no, you went. You like, went down to. You went down to four numbers. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, and then we figure out how to explain to you that you're actually not making as much money as you think you are. Of course, that is private equity. Then, Holy shit! Exactly. Do that. And then we try to buy like, it. Well, listen, man. The coronavirus. There's a lot of things happening in the world. A lot of instability. That number that you think you should be getting is probably not right. It's a little bit less. And then your leadership team, not as full, you know, as you think. And look, the EBITDA number, I mean, your multiple is not quite what you think it is. I mean, it's All right, Aaron, just so you know, you know what our philosophy is? Pay as little as possible and get as much as you can. No, we are never the low bid. We don't do turnarounds. We buy growth companies. And our philosophy is if the clock ain't broke, don't fix it. That's our philosophy. We don't want to like Same most part. private equity is are what we call. Have you heard the expression pigeon investors? No, I haven't. Most what, private what equity pigeon investors, pigeon investors, definitely all venture capital, most private equity. And what it means is you fly in once a quarter, you shit all over the place, and then you fly away. <laughs> well, once a quarter sounds pretty good. I like pigeon investors. That sounds and you, good. And you've got these guys who have MBAs who've never worked in the real world telling you how to fix your business. Our philosophy is like find a cool company that's got a great management team. If the clock ain't broke, don't fix it pay the price and let them run well, we do not, not want that, to I'm like micromanage i'm not saying i have a price but that looks about a million dollars <laughs> Jesus, we'll do it a million yeah that's good that, wow. yes that's it that's it, that's it. all right the, i yeah. think i'm gonna need to uh yeah. <laughs> see my account on this one <laughs> <laughs> a billion? <laughs> What's EBITDA? I, I, I'm just trying. To, I'm just trying to look. I start high and then we go lower. Okay. We What's EBITDA? I'm not. I'm Ben. Come on. Let's talk later on. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ben, let me ask you this: the next book, The Island. Yes, this sir. Is, uh, so I've been I've been waiting for this thing. You know, and obviously other people are out there waiting. Too. Like, give us a good, give us a good. I got to write you know, it. Kind of preamble of what what the book's going to be like. But would you say that this? So, 
I guess really what I'm getting to is, is Dewey, all characters have a, a lifespan. I've seen you bringing out Tacoma, right? Tacoma seems like the new young team guy. He's, he's kicking ass, taking names. He's a younger man. Does that mean that Dewey is, there's a sunset for Dewey where he's going to be like transition to like, he's going to be the director of something or is, or is Dewey still got a, a long time left in your opinion? Cause I, Mitch Rapp. Dewey Mitch is definitely like, not going into any sunset. The reason I started the Tacoma series is because I want to have two series going at once. And it had to do with the fact that I want to have one series that was international in nature. And I want to have one that's domestic in nature. And based upon my um, general, I think, thinking and research, the Russian mafia was a great, you know, is a great platform for Tacoma. And I think is, I don't think people understand how involved the Russian, Russian organized crime is in the United States. And so now Dewey's going to go on forever. In fact, Aaron, if you read the books carefully, you'll notice that Dewey gets younger with every book. <laughs> because he's taken Redcon. Because he's yeah. jacked on Redcon. That's good. Smart man. He should be doing, definitely be taking no, his... Uh, Dewey's going to go on forever. If I, get hit by a, if I get hit by a bus, my agent is going to find someone to write the books you know, so. a la Mitch Rapp. I mean, that's uh, Vince Flynn. That's uh, that's what happened, right? Right. Dewey's not going away. He's just he's just heating up. And this one, the island is, I think, technically, and just in terms of the pace, I think it's like I think I've. I didn't know what I was doing when I wrote Power Down, Aaron. Um, and I've made mistakes along the way, but I sell more with each book. This one is insane. It's tight. And then after that, I'm writing the next Tacoma and then the next Dewey. And I've already outlined the next Dewey, which is totally insane. Dewey's going to keep going forever. He's going to be like the Energizer buddy. Because Tacoma, the Tacoma one you're writing right now, right? So like that's the one you're no, doing. Well, I'm, right now I'm doing the rewrites on the Russian. So the Russian was turned in in June. And at least for me, maybe other people don't have this experience, but I receive an editorial letter from my editor and my agent and that is essentially like a college dissertation on the first draft it's not about spelling errors and stuff like that it is about structural stuff like plot character development and and when you write a book you sometimes lose sight of things and you need the editorial letter 
to bring it back. And my editor was Robert Lovem's editor. And my agent is a genius and they collaborate, but it's like, it's complicated. There have been books that I've written where the rewrites take longer than writing the first draft, believe it or not. And so right now I'm in the middle of the rewrites on the island. Cool. Cool. Well, I can't wait to, I can't, to, wait, can't wait to read it. And uh, it's obviously going to be another. Now, we've already counted on your, on your purchase. Like the part of the whole revenue model is built on the fact that you're going to buy one. Is it is it for presale already? Because I'm sure I, if I, if that's the case, I'm sure I've already bought it. No, I'm just kidding. Like, <laughs> no, I'm, I would hope so. I was trying, to, I was trying to imply that I was trying to imply that like your one purchase would, but actually, if you pumped it a little bit, like maybe it's like buy X amount of whatever hypo bicep yeah. you know hypo, hypo bicep, bicep powder is that the next product i think it's and you good. get a free copy of the island that would be balls we could do that we could do that you could absolutely no we we should do that we should do that mm. um, for every bottle of hypo gliso guido we will 100% give away one benko's book uh, of your choosing and it's going to be dude yeah, that's a that, no no let's do it the island huh. and just lump the cost of the book into the thing it's like mitt romney did this when he came out with uh one of his books and you would go and jim gaffigan do you know him the comedian yeah yeah I know who he is. yeah i went and saw him like you went and you bought a ticket and including the ticket was his book and so he hit like number one anyway it's a genius idea yeah that, the island. People, i've heard of that i've heard a lot of people do that before and so gary vaynerchuk which you may or may not know <clears throat> he's a marketing guy uh you heard him before what say that again gary vaynerchuk yes yeah, so he is a marketing guy, and, and now he's kind of a semi-big deal. But back way back in the day, the reason he'd get all his books to bestsellers is because he would do these uh, appearances where he'd do like, speeches for companies. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't accept money. He would want 30, 40, 50,000 books purchased. And it was a very smart thing to do because it ended up getting him up there to the top. And because uh, uh, a speech, maybe, maybe somebody pays, because he made big, there he is. Back in the day, I don't know if he does this anymore, but he'd make 20, 30, 50, even 50,000 bucks for a, a company speech for like, um, whatever, for a, a bigger company. And um, and instead, he would get, get book purchases, which mm -hmm. obviously, what are you going to do with 50,000 of that guy's books? Who knows? But people would give them out or throw them away or whatever. And, and that, that worked really well for him. So maybe that's what we'll do. Well, I don't want something like that. I want people who are going to read it. Like I'd no, rather we'll sell less, you know what I mean? Yes. We have to have a kind of a, I don't know how to do it. 
I'm not just trying to hit some spot. I don't care I know you're about, not. That stuff, you don't shit about that. You're already, you've already care, done all that. Then. I care about writing a book and like having people like it. So I think well, the first step would be have you read a rough draft and see if you can get behind it. I already know I can get behind it, but send me a, send it to me. I would love to read it. And uh, I already already know. There's no question I'm going to like it because I've loved I've loved every book you've written. So, you, you, oh, thank you betting you. on me liking your book is a very good uh, bet for you because the thank the, you the chances of me liking it are 100. percent Thank you so much. Of course, of course. That way, th this way I can uh, I can give you all my notes. I'll be like an editor. And be like these are exactly. The things that I make so <laughs> many mistakes. You would not believe the emails I get. I got a letter, Aaron, after my after Power Down came out. So throughout Power Down, I referred to essentially concrete as cement. And in case you didn't know this, cement is a component of concrete. It's like the grit. I didn't know it. And so it's like cement, cement, cement. I received a certified letter from the American Aggregates like Association in Washington, D.C., oh telling me that, in fact, it's concrete, not cement. These guys got time cement on their hands. Don't worry about and this. please do not refer to it as cement ever again. Or they'll sue you? <laughs> no, no, they it was just an empty I mean, no, no, but it's more like you get a lot. You would not believe the notes I get. Oh, and I love them all because it means someone's reading. They care that like, much. Oh, the you know that clip was technically it's not it's not possible that or that magazine housing doesn't work with. You know, it's like I make a lot of mistakes. Oh man, you done a lot, you done a hell of a lot right. So uh, I want to thank nice, you buddy. so much for being on be on the show, man. I can't wait to get the uh, the copy of the book and uh, check it out. See what uh, see what the next one's about, and uh, hear what Dewey's up to. And uh, man, it's been a, an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. And um, we'll be we'll be in touch. I got I got to give you a call in the next uh, day or two to shoot the shit with you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Of course. Any, can you, Ryan, can you show one more shot of, uh, or Johnny, can you show us one more shot as we're going out of Ben's incredible physique, please? Ben, thank you so much for being on the show. Ryan, that's no, not thank you, incredible Aaron. physique. Thanks for being a reader. Of course. Sorry about, you know, the different issues that you are having in terms Thanks. of you're not being as big as me. Who's the guy? <laughs> Your waist is so small. You're so tan, Ben. How did this even happen? Who's the guy on the left? That's me, bro. What do you mean? It is? You mean like the physique, actual physique? Yeah, but what's, Ryan, what's with the little like crotch patch, pouch? Wait, you're talking about your, that, that's because his uh, schlong is. Oh, it's like a, it's like a fifty-pound weight keeping it down. 
I got one more <laughs> fan favorite. Yeah. Otherwise, Been otherwise. There, that. Exactly. <laughs> oh my God. We'll send these to you, Ben. For those were the good old days. For your book I mean, cover or whatever the, the back. You can What's just put that? that on the back of your book, bro. On the back cover, and people will oh, like, yeah. what? Yeah, they'll be confused, but it'll be good. They won't be confused. <laughs> they'll buy, buy, buy. They'll be like, whoa. All right, you guys, good talking to you. I have Thank to go. So much, My wife just filed um, divorce papers, and I need to go deal with it. Um, no, ahead, I think man. I stayed away from politics. Don't you think? You did pretty good. You did pretty good. We didn't go too crazy. And if you need plus me to talk like, to her, let me know. Give me her number. Plus, there are only like four people watching. <laughs> Only four, hundred percent, and those four, four don't even more care. like They're four million. Yeah, four billion. Then billion. Hey, Aaron, I want to run against Elizabeth Warren. Uh, Pocahontas. I think you'll beat her, bro. Show, uh, show him that picture of Are the you guy in? bringing that again. Are you in? I think you'll beat her. You could beat her, bro. Next year, next well, next year, next no, twenty twenty four. 2024 Whoa. yeah you'll have to wait you'll have to wait but when you unveil all that she won't be able to there's no way she'll stop at you with pecs that 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 muscular she can't stop you bro all right <laughs> let's end let's end on that high note thank you ben all right aaron so call me fun. and ryan you. thank you and if johnny whoever is watching thank you for watching and it was great being on here. Of course. And Ben won't say it, but make sure you go check out his books. They're on everywhere. From iBooks to Amazon to your local bookstore. They're everywhere. And uh, you can't miss them. Make sure you read. At least start with Power Down or one of the Coup d'etat, one of the other books. Every one of them. Go to Bencos.com. Bencos.com. Buy it direct yeah. from Ben. Even better. That's the best. Direct to consumer. He's a big D to C guy here. No, no, like no, no. I'm not direct to consumer. I'm not trying to um, disintermediate. So if you choose ah, to buy the island or another book, you're going to buy it from a number of different outlets, including Amazon, Barnes and Noble, your local bookstore. So. I'm not selling books directly. To see right here. I apologize. I apologize, Ben. No D to C. It's not It'll like. Well, I'm not like a mogul like Redcon. <laughs> if you want to know about that model, Ben, you hit me up. I'll tell you. We'll, we'll D to C it all day long. <laughs> are you are you direct consumer? About fifty percent of the revenue is D to C. What amount is online? That's fifty percent. Yeah, fifty percent is all right. That's your D to C. Yes, sir. Yes, well, sir. dude, Vermont teddy bear is a hundred percent. Vermont teddy bear. Well, I mean, I don't. Oh, we own that. Bear. We own that. Oh, really? We didn't even yeah. talk about all that shit. Yeah. Well, I don't know anything about teddy bears, but that's cool. A hundred percent D to C is even better than fifty percent. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's. Uh, 
Let's table okay, that conversation. Okay. There you go. There we go. Actually, oh my God, look at that big one. Go back to you the see big that one big one. Oh my God. Trust go me. They make the best teddy bears in the world. Go to the big one. No, go to the big one, bro. Go to the big one. There's one that's Back six foot tall. Big no, big one. It's the greatest teddy bear you've ever seen. It's that one. See that one? one? Yeah. And it comes with that woman. <laughs> <laughs> she looks nice. Well, pretty lovely. She's actually a little tired at this point. <laughs> No, but that bear big is the hunk best. Of, big hunk of love bear. Oh my god! There's a six foot one. Well, that, that one looks. There is a good. six foot one, but they probably sold out because. Oh, there he is! There he is! They can't Giant keep them up. Bear. Ooh, ooh, me likey. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're gonna get in trouble, Sam Ben. <laughs> I think. Freak. Free Christmas Christmas ornament with a fifty dollar purchase sounds like us. But Aaron, don't you think at some point you go beyond being in trouble, and so it's kind of like just You're keep going? Ahead. Yeah, a hundred percent. Are you kidding? A hundred percent. Once you pass no, the past those the are great. Of- those are great bears. Best teddy bears in the world. I'm gonna buy. Best I'm gonna buy some. Ryan, get me a dozen of those for the office, please. But that's D to C. You should be buying those for every employee. There's another area, Aaron. Yes. Where if you have an employee who has a child, for example, you can buy essentially like this little family set of these beautiful things with like customized with their names. It's a great company. Yes. Definitely. I'm 100% doing that, Ben. Instead of run, Christmas bonuses, I'm doing this. I'm not going to get bonuses this year. I'm he runs contrary to the whole espionage spy thriller thing. But I just want to uh, say thank you, Ben, also ben. for letting us uh, take over that bear. It's the new and improved Redcon 1 giant teddy bear. Really? Oh, look. Oh, yeah. He changed it. Yeah. He changed the site. Thank you. We have hackers on the team. So now it's um, the Redcon Ryan, 1. Ryan, we hadn't talked about some kind of rev share on this. I think that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We'll try well, that's to- awesome. It's a great company, great people. It's in Vermont. It's a wonderful company. We're going to charge and you a low uh, royalty to include Redcon on the site. What? <laughs> put the logo, put the logo on the bear or whatever. Yeah. Dude, Ryan, you're Jack too. Look at you. Well, well he's been working out with me. He was, he was fat. He was very fat and flabby, but I turned him into this guy here. Now he's a, computer, a computer nerd or dork or whatever. What's the, well, Lord of the Dork, sorry, we call him. I need to move He's down the, there. Yep. Oh, dude, you'll be huge. You'll be huge. I don't want to be oh, huge. Huge, ripped, and tanned. All right. I can only hope. <laughs> All right. Bye, Ben. Uh, Thank all right, you so Aaron. much for being on. All right. Wait. No, great talking to you. That was so much fun. Ryan, thanks for your technical support. You're more than welcome. That's it. <laughs> that's it. That's all I I'll take it. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben. I'm going to get Ryan and Johnny some of your books uh, so they can read them, so they can understand uh, what we're dealing with here. So. Okay, but Ryan, there are no pictures. Oh, man. Yeah, he's not such a good reader. Unfortunately. I'll just call you and you can read it to me at nighttime. 
Okay. I'm just saying, like, you know, pictures. So, like, don't go out and don't get your box of crayons. This ain't going to be gonna be a little more complicated. I respect it. All right, you guys. Thanks for having me on. Bye, Ben. Talk soon. Okay, buddy. Right, you got Thank you, buddy. Thanks for having me. Bye. All right, Brian. Go get your box of crayons, Ryan, because I'm buying you a book. I appreciate that, and uh, I look forward to my nightly calls so he can read me to read them to me uh, as I go to sleep at night. Yes, he has a very uh, good voice for for reading. He'll be very uh, very paced with his reading. I, I feel like author thing didn't work. He could do like that ASMR where they just whisper into the cameras, like listen, 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 listen. Yes, it's a thing. Very... They make money. Yeah, yeah. He could uh, mesmerize you with his voice. Oh. Well, my brother, I appreciate your time. You appreciate my time. I appreciate your time. Thanks this for coming. Great. Up. I'm here uh, in Tennessee, and we made it work, even remote. And uh, this was only me today. We had no air card, Silky Tuba. But next week, Silky Tuba will be back. So we have uh, Robert O'Neill, who killed Osama bin Laden, literally. Like, he That's killed crazy. Him. He shot him over and over again, actually. So we're going to talk to Robert O'Neill. And uh, and Rob O'Neill, and then he'll be a he'll be one hell of a good guest. And uh, Rob is one of the well, certainly one of the good guys. But he's also one of the big featured speakers in the world right now. You know, yeah, Rob yeah. Rob gets on stage and speaks to tens of thousands of people for hundreds of thousands of dollars. So you guys are going to get a chance to talk and hear to, from Rob O'Neill, you know, live and in person here on the Readiness Report. I'm excited about it. And I won't be asking him the same shit everybody else does. I will not have him recount the whole Bin Laden raid, which he's done, you know, probably hundreds, if not a thousand times, because every time people get him on stage, he does the same shit over and over. And it's like when we had Dakota Meyer on, who was the recipient of the Medal of Honor, we didn't ask him about that because that's something you could hear anywhere, all day long, everywhere. And I don't want it to be the same thing recounted over and over. So you're going to hear some new and different stuff from Rob O'Neill that you may not have heard, or you certainly would not have heard anywhere. And I think the, the last piece is just let people know if they want to start texting questions for Robert O'Neill, because he's going to be busy. You know, it's going to be a busy show. They can start doing it now. We'll collect them and have them ready when you guys go live. Perfect, Ryan. Thank you so much for uh, doing this. Is Johnny still there or is yes. it just you? Yeah. There he is. Okay, just making sure. Of course. Sure you you know, check Johnny, out. He snuck out. He said he'd be back in five minutes, an hour ago. No, absolutely not. <laughs> hey, this is remotely. We've been doing every like years. We've been doing live stream, and there you go. You're in Tennessee, and we made it work. So we made it work. We made it's it work live. So it's never missing a beat. And look, guys. So this is where I'm at. This is I'm in like this room in the theater room here. Wow. Just doing this. It's I've been leaning forward the whole time, and like it's been it's been painful. <laughs> I'm dying over here, and uh, it's much different than being comfortable. I should have done it like this, with my feet up, like relaxed. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, and like that's how that's that's how um, Ronnie used to do the interviews. Remember? Oh yeah, of course I remember. The Ronnie couch. relaxed, eating carry. Uh, <laughs> do like that, like this, like this. I could done it. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh -huh. all professional, that? and then he's on a freaking couch. What's that, Ben? What's that, Ben? Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh, Ben. <laughs> that's how Ronnie did. It. All right, we'll see you here. And soon, if the hurricane comes, I don't know, you're going to come in the boat or something. No, if a hurricane comes, I'm staying here in Tennessee. So <laughs> you go. Good luck. Good luck, motherfuckers. <laughs>
I'm going to just lock uh, everyone in the office, even if it's a tropical well, By the way, just so you guys know, Ryan, I've mentioned this before to you guys. The office has an external generator. So not only is it hurricane proof and is it re, you know reinforced by steel or rebar, but it has an external generator that the actual power will not go out. You're welcome. I appreciate it. that. So when they try to have excuses why they want to you know be at home during a category now, five, shutting it down. Not only should they not be there at home, they should be at the office, you know, working and packing packages, bro. Exactly. And Johnny, you should be packing packages if you're. You no, know. oh, I did it last year. I'm gonna do it again. Oh, for for no for for uh, Black Friday, everybody's packing. Packages. Oh, okay. You know, I I got questions today on on Thanksgiving. We're gonna have a show too, right? Live. Of course, Thanksgiving is a big day. So Thanksgiving is oh. my favorite day. Uh, of the really of the year i mean thanksgiving not because i love thanksgiving and whatever so much but because that's the day black friday's sale actually begins so exactly. i i uh i mean i think about imagine my birthday christmas and hanukkah all together in one day <laughs> in one moment that's when the sale goes live and the sales start coming in and i feel i get super excited i, I mean you know the whole time everybody's packing i'm just thinking about how awesome it is that all these thousands, in this case, probably 100,000 plus people are purchasing off our site. And that is something that is unbelievable. Johnny, we'll break 100,000 customers during Black Friday weekend. How crazy is that? 100, I'm sorry, a million. I'd say 100,000. Break a million customers. A million people will have purchased off the site. A million. Yes. I Johnny, think can you imagine your mind? Live so people can tune in and just count down with us. Hundred percent. We'll do live during the the sale. We'll, we'll we'll make it awesome. Johnny, can you imagine in your mind a million people around the office? Like imagine the office building and there's a million people surrounding us. Do you know how many people that is? No, that's I, I haven't been. The closest thing I was in WrestleMania it was like it wasn't even that. So yeah, it, it must be insane. Johnny, it's a million people. That's how many people. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> Johnny would be like, yeah. how do you monetize this for OnlyFans? Everybody line up. <laughs> you, get, you get naked for the for OnlyFans, yeah. Uh, Johnny's only always thinking about naked people and stuff. But I'm thinking about the quantity, the amazing quantity of people that have had ordered from Red County. So when it comes to uh, Black Friday weekend, it should be something really. It's going to be, it's going to be spectacular, and uh, and I can't wait. So yeah, we'll be announcing the deal. We'll actually we'll be announcing the deal the, the night before and John will be involved in that. But the actual show itself, we're gonna go over the deal, we'll talk about the deal, we'll show the items, we'll show what we're doing, we'll talk about all the things that went into it, and you guys will get the behind the scenes, what actually happened at Black Friday. How did we get to this point where we're doing this? Because there's a lot that goes into Black Friday. It doesn't just happen, we flip the switch and it's going. There's a lot of time and effort uh put into this and um I'm excited. Just to, uh, we worked on a little today uh, here is setting up some cameras downstairs so we can do some of the live and let people from home see literally the packing. We're going to do the time lapse videos, but also just give people a glimpse into just the, the chaos that is Black Friday. Yes. I can't wait. Can't wait. All right, guys. And if, and, if, and if we had like a store in here, I'm sure people would come in here to buy stuff, right? I'm sure. I'm sure they can go to the gym and buy stuff. We'll do something crazy for the gym. We don't want them coming in here, Johnny. We got too much shit going on. But the gym, we'll go to the gym. They're going to come. <laughs> All right, guys. Awesome, Thank my you guy. so much. I'm going to head and see the missus. Make sure everything's going on. Get over there. The kids are in bed, and uh, the house is secure. Perfect, man.
Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. See you. Uh, see you on uh, Monday. Yep. Okay. Bye, guys. All right. So that's the show. We're here. We're Ryan is still here, and I'm still here. Thank you so much for tuning in, for watching the show. Remember, the show is going to be on Spotify and all the podcasts that we have on air, also on YouTube and Facebook. So, you have any final words? I just think seeing the uh, audience now, just you and me increasing. <laughs> Should tell Eric yeah, and Aaron yeah. something. We'll we should. After hours. We should. We do the after hours thing and just talk about whatever happened, and then maybe we get you know we get sponsored for this. On top of that, uh, we can do a lot more giveaways because once everyone leaves, no one's in charge. Yes, absolutely. And now more than ever, you're here. You have a camera on you. It's high quality, and people can see you at home. All right. Perfect. For Ryan Mohanahan, Mohanahan. He can't get it right ever. <laughs> This is Johnny Styles. This has been the Readiness Report, and we're out.